He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. What if I told you that there is a two-year-old that understands this concept perfectly? Well, we prayed for this two-year-old just a few weeks ago, and there's her face. Little Haley. Haley got RSV, and her breathing got worse and worse and worse and was taken to Enlo, and they were working for about seven hours to get her stable. And in the process of trying to get her stable, there was even a shift change from the day shift to the night shift. And as the prayer request went out, Pray for Haley. We need to get her stable. We need to get her stable enough to take her to San Francisco where she can get even more advanced treatment. Her mom, Tamara, who's our preschool director, reports that when everyone started praying, I started getting these worship song lyrics, specifically from the song, The Blessing, that covered me in peace. I was so full of fear, and then I sent out the prayer request, and things began to shift with me. Now, She says, we finally got Haley on the helicopter that evening. It was nighttime by this this time, and that prayer had made her stable enough to be able to get her transported to San Francisco. When they landed in San Francisco, she said this, yes, it was scary when it was dark, but I wasn't scared because Jesus is in the dark. That is Emmanuel, God with us. Then that Sunday, we asked you to pray. The church started praying that Sunday morning, and Haley made a massive improvement later that afternoon and was discharged and brought home to Chico the next day. Tamara says several days later, a friend told her that they had met one of the EMTs that were on the night shift on the flight with Haley. The EMT told this friend about what Haley had said about Jesus being present in the dark and could not get it out of her head. Turns out this EMT had recently left the church, is no longer walking with Jesus, and has been going through some personal challenges. However, she heard Jesus that night through Haley. And I love Tamara's view on this. She says, I believe Haley had to wait to get stabilized so she could be on that nighttime flight with that EMT. Our God is amazing and never ceases to amaze me how he uses his children to spread his love. What's the point? The point is your prayers make a difference. Your prayers are the most powerful thing you could do in this lifetime. They will shift atmospheres, bring healing, bring provision, and bring salvation. And God's timing is perfect. Though we all would have wanted her to be healed immediately and just come home and not been on a flight, God had other ideas. He had other timing. He had other plans. And most importantly, Haley fully understands that Jesus is with us, even in the dark. So, 
As we transition this morning, I want you to stand and read scripture with me. This is a familiar passage about the Christmas story. We have it here on the screen. And just out of reverence for God's word, I just, I feel like it's important to stand. And you can read along with me, but I'll read the scripture to you. It's Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave his name Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So just a few thoughts here. He's pledged to be married. What does this mean? Well, this is father of the bride and father of the groom getting together, arranging a bride price and deciding what what will be paid for that bride. And these fathers being very involved, the, the bride and the groom are there and then they would have a written contract and then there would be a cup of wine that if the woman was agreeable to this, she would drink the wine and that would say, yes, I'm in, let's get married. At that point, they were betrothed or pledged to be married. It was as if they were already legally married, and this young man, we'll call him young, Joseph, we don't know how old he was really, he would have said something right before he left. He would say something to the effect of, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will, I will go... I will go to prepare a place for you, and if I come again, I will receive you to myself, that where you are, where I am, you may be also. This is what Jesus is quoting in John 14. The idea is that he takes about a year to build on a room or a a part of the house in his father's family complex to invite that bride to. Now, can you imagine if you're a groom and you're really excited about getting married, you might put up a really, really crummy house But the father, it's his job to make sure that the son puts up a good room or a good building for his bride. So no one knows when the wedding's going to happen. Only the father knows. The son doesn't know the day or the hour when that bridegroom would come. In the middle of the night, generally, it would be a surprise thing. Part of it was taking a bride was literally stealing her in the middle of the night. And the goal was you would have your groomsmen and you'd come and you'd steal your bride in the middle of the night. And that's why she would have to keep her, her lambs trimmed and ready. Just she doesn't know when her bridegroom is gonna come. But as soon as that father says, yes, it's time, 
this procession comes and they take the bride. And so this is the season. There's about a year long. Joseph is in this season. He's already legally bound to Mary, it would take a divorce, literally, to separate them. So this is not like engagement, like, oh, I guess I don't think I want to get married anymore. No, this is very formal. And it's in the middle of this season that they're excited about this day to come. They can't wait. You can imagine they've put together their, their invitations and all the things. And yet, Mary comes to Joseph during this season and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Joseph has no concept of how in the world this happened and he decides, you know what, I love her too much to shame her publicly. And so I'll just try to divorce her quietly so she won't be ashamed. This is the righteousness of Joseph. This is what's right about him. It looks like, like what a jerk, why is he doing this? Um, no other time before had this ever happened. Poor Joseph, he's got to be a stress ball. And what does God do? God gives Joseph a dream. He says, it's okay. It's going to take a dream from God at this point for him to understand this is from God. And you're supposed to, this is going to be a boy that's going to be born. You don't need an ultrasound. It's going to be a boy, and his name, you're going to call him Jesus, for he'll save his, all people from their sins. So Matthew, in Matthew 122, says, by the way, let's sum this all up. This is all summing up what the prophet said, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what prophet are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy named Isaiah. If you have been with us for our, our Bible overview series that we called The Big Picture in the last 14 weeks or so, Isaiah is one of the major prophets, and he's a rock star. I mean, he serves four different kings. He prophesies about 11 different nations. He's quoted about 50 times in the New Testament, I mean, like I'm standing in line to meet him in heaven. He's amazing. And in Isaiah 7, where we're quoting here, where Matthew's quoting, he's addressing a guy named King Ahaz. King Ahaz, king in Judah, he was one of the worst. How bad, you ask? Well, he was sacrificing his children to false god called Moloch in the fire. That's how bad this guy was. Yeah, putting up false um, places of worship all over the land. He manages to ignore Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah. These three epic prophets that write books in the Bible. How do you do that? This guy does not want God to be on the throne of his heart as he's on the throne of Judah. The only good news is he's Hezekiah's father. Hezekiah, great king, great guy. We'll talk about him another time. So in the midst of this then, what's going on here? Isaiah 7, Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the deal. Isaiah says, hey, Ahaz, if you want a sign from the Lord, he'll give you a sign. Like, if you do the right things, he's going to protect you because Ahaz was, what, had these two armies coming against him. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want a sign. No, I don't want to test the Lord. This is that hyper-spiritual like, I'm just going to hold God at, a, at arm's length because if I see a sign, then I'll have to believe him and I'll have to obey, and I don't want to obey. And Isaiah says, too bad. You're going to get a sign anyway. There's going to be a virgin with a child. going to give birth to a son. And then he goes on and talks about this child's not even going to get to the point where he eats like solid food before these two kings that are going against you, they're going down. And actually, in 1 Kings 15 and 16, we see that this happens. This prophecy comes true 
in the short term. We don't know if there is a kid named Emmanuel in the house. We don't know exactly how the virgin part fits. But this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, can only really fit with one person. That is Jesus. So Jesus, Emmanuel Christ, is that his name? Jesus, Manuel, Cristo? Is that where we're going? Let me just clear up a few things. If you're new to faith, um, Joseph and Mary, their last name is not Christ. It's not Joseph and Mary, uh, Mary Christ, who had Jesus Christ. Christ is actually Mashiach. It's, it's Messiah. It's the king who was prophesied all these years. So that's what that title, that's a title, not their last name. Emmanuel is the declaration over what he will be. This is his distinction. This is what he will do. He will be God with us. And Jesus, Yeshua, is his name. So what is Jesus' name? Yeshua bar Joseph. Jesus, the son of Joseph. We got that cleared up. Now you won't be calling them Joseph and Mary Christ any longer. At this point, we're talking about a virgin birth. I love Wayne Grudem, who's a theologian. He says this, The virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. This was the means God used to send his son into the world as a man. Why? Because God the Son, Jesus, has existed for all time. We know that from John 1. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Nothing has come into being except apart from him. So, this virgin birth, why is it important? Five quick things. Because we never talk about this. I thought, this is a good time to talk about this. First of all, Jesus came from heaven. He's the son of God. He is the son descended from the father. So this is a big part of his identity. He also had a sinless nature. This means that he came into the world, but he dodged the sin nature bullet, if you will, which allows him to be the perfect sacrifice. Because a sacrifice, Exodus tells us, for the Forgiveness of sin had to be a perfect and spotless, blameless lamb. So Jesus had to be sinless. And yet Jesus also has to be 100% human. So he's tempted in every way, yet doesn't sin. We know that from Hebrews. His deity does not overwhelm his humanity. His humanity does not spoil his deity. He is perfectly 100% God and 100% man. He was unique. His coming into the world was unique, never happened before, never going to happen again. Every single thing that he does, he's walking in the supernatural and he's doing miracles. And even his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension are all very unique. Lastly, if the Bible says that he was born from a virgin, then what other things are you going to start ripping out of your Bible? So I'm going to believe it. I believe this concept of the virgin birth, this theological concept, is very important. So, in the Bible, we keep seeing, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. God's refrain to his people is that I am with you, especially all the way up to Isaiah. I'm going to take you through a spin through the Bible to show you and to prove to you that God, his heart has always been to be with you, to be with me, to be God with us. You ready? Starts in the beginning with Adam and Eve. 
where God is walking in the garden with them. And there's perfect relationship. There's nothing that's spoiling it until Adam and Eve sin and they're cast out of the garden. And all of a sudden now God's got to, he's got to put together a rescue plan to put this relationship back together so that he can be once again God with us. And so, and this is in that first genre of the law. So what happens then? He chooses one man, Abraham. And he says, go to the land I'll show you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to show you which land. These are the patriarchs, Isaac. He says to Isaac, hey, do not fear, for I'm with you just like I was with Abraham. And then Jacob, he says, when you return to the land, I will be with you. Are you you seeing the refrain yet? I'm going to just beat it into your head right now. Jacob's son, Joseph, as he's blessing him at the end of his life, says, God will be with you, Joseph. Then 400 years later, Moses shows up on the scene. He's called by God to leave his shepherding career and go and save the nation from Pharaoh. He knows it's not going to go well. What does God say? Certainly, I will be with you at the burning bush. Then after he rescues the nation, they're going on this 40-year camping trip, very miserable. And as they're going, God is with us. And God is with them. How do we know that? Well, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar by night, a fire by night. In Exodus 13. And this nation sees God actually show up on the top of Mount Sinai with all kinds of fire, and they're somewhat removed from it. Only Moses is up there. And yet God's plan is to be with his people. He wants more. And so he says, hey, make this tent for me. Have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. In Exodus 25, this is called the tabernacle. This is where God would meet with the leaders. In fact, there above the Ark of the Testimony, I will meet with you. Hey, nation of Israel, I got you. I'm with you. And then Moses is going, hey, guys, 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 don't freak out. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. Here's the deal. What you're going to begin to see is it's not just great that God's with us. It's great that God's with us because he's going to deliver us from fear. His presence is the antidote for fear in our life. Okay? Keep that in mind because that's what we're going to keep seeing over and over. It's going to just accelerate through the scriptures. Then Joshua, he, pre- he succeeds Moses. God says, bring the sons of Israel into the land. I swore to them and I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, those giants in the land. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is going to pick up on this later, by the way. In Hebrew, and we're going to see it in Hebrews 13. Then we're going to go from the law to the history. Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. Then we move to the judges. Gideon, poor Gideon, he's so afraid. He's like doing the whole like fleece thing. By the way, just because he did that, don't do that. That He had a complete lack of faith. We can pre- preach on it later. I'm just, just a little commercial for don't do that. However, in the midst of it, he says, surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. He had a really tall task. Very scary. God was gonna be with him. Deliver him from fear. David, in 2 Samuel 7, God says, hey, I have been with you. And then this tabernacle has been great, but now we're going to build a building where God is going to have his presence. This is the temple. 
It is Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. King David in the books of poetry and Psalms, the most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Are you seeing the theme yet? Isaiah 7 and the major prophets, this is our passage. Be called Emmanuel. Isaiah camps on this. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Five ways that God strengthens you with his presence. He's going to be by your side. He's going to be over you. He's going to be all around you from wherever your enemy's coming. He's going to strengthen you from the inside, and he's going to uphold you from underneath. Woo! This is a God whose presence makes a difference in your life. That's why John Piper says, therefore, do not fear. Stop defining and limiting your future in terms of your past and start defining it in terms of God with you, Emmanuel. In Isaiah 43, Isaiah explains to us, it's going to get hard, guys. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Not if, when. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So once again, the antidote for fear is the presence of God, Emmanuel. Knowing God is with us in the midst of trouble is the secret to finding peace in this life. Speaking of get, going through the fire, you've got these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get thrown in the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. And who shows up? I think it's Jesus. God with us in the fire. We see that in Daniel 3. I see four men walking around. And the fourth is like the son, a son of the gods. Then after 400 years of silence, we have Jesus. Jesus in the Gospels, in the very beginning, John 1, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, it's, he set his tabernacle up. He brings his glory and his presence with us. He's God with us. I want to think about this. I read a story about a king, a Persian king from many centuries ago. This Persian king would dress up in beggar's clothes and he would sneak out and begin to spend time with the, the poorer people in his realm. He would eat their really rough food and he would sit and visit with them over the fire. And he would make this his practice. At one point, he finally revealed himself to one of the men that he had been with. He said, I am actually, I'm your king. He said, ask me what you want and I'll, I'll give you what you want. He said, you know, you may give others fine foods and robes and other things, but you have given me the best gift of all. You have given me the gift of yourself. And for this, young, this poor beggar, having the gift of the actual king that would leave the palace in all its glory and actually relate to him and eat his food and be at his table was enough. And for Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth, the gift of his presence is enough. Matthew, at the end of his book, he talks about Emmanuel, God with us. And then the very last verse, he quotes Jesus as he's ascending in heaven. And surely I am with you always to the end 
of the age. It's arguably the theme of Matthew's book. Well, after this, just finishing this up, in our church history book, Acts, we have the coming of the Holy Spirit, God in us. He's not just God with us, he's God in us and will receive power when he comes. Romans 8, in the letters, Paul says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have this indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit that you, that you carry that gives you power and love and everything you need to be able to live out the things that he's asked you to do. And then even in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says your temple, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. There's that word again, temple, tabernacle, this dwelling place that you have from God. The end of Paul's life, he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me when I was about to die. And lastly, in the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, this apocalyptic literature, Revelation 21, just as the, the way that the whole story started in a garden with God, with nothing between us and God. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them. Do you see the thread? God is with us. Yet, up until Isaiah, it is God, from his perspective, saying, I am with you. After Isaiah, it is God is with us. And this is good news for us. But you might be asking the question, I'm going through puberty again. I just, I didn't do it right the first time. So my voice cracks this morning. It's, it's okay. You can just laugh at me. The question is uh, the, the same thing that the Israelites asked in Exodus 17. Is the Lord among us or not? Solomon, the most wise man who ever lived, asks, will God indeed dwell with mankind on the earth? I read a story about this little girl who would get scared in the middle of the night and she would jump up out of her bunk bed and run in and get in bed with her mom and dad. I'm sure this is a familiar story to you parents, right? Mom was going on a, on a business trip and we knew this was going to be a difficult thing. And so dad says, how about this? Her name was Rachel. How about this, Rachel? How about I'll sleep in the top bunk and you'll know that you're safe because I'll be with you. Rachel says, this sounds like a great idea. She goes into the bottom bunk, cur cur curls up, goes to sleep. Dad, after, you know, he's finished the dishes and all the things, he's exhausted, he comes in, he climbs up, he passes out in that upper bunk. She, Rachel doesn't hear him. He's very stealthy. In the morning, they both wake up and Rachel's just overjoyed. Dad, dad, I did it. Look, I didn't, I didn't get up. I didn't have a problem. And he, she, he said, yeah, how did, how did you do that? I said, well, you were with me. And he said, but you weren't awake. You didn't know when I came in. How do you know that you were, that I was with you? I said, well, because you said you would be. And sometimes we don't take God for what he says at his word because he said that he will be with us he will never leave us or forsake us and the secret to peace is not a program not a plan it's a person and it's what the presence of God does for us kills off fear 
Years ago, I was driving up to the Tahoe area. It was late at night. I had to work. I was doing landscape stuff during the day and going to college. And, and then I was rushing up to be a speaker at this camp. And so I was driving up this snowy road without chains and it was snowing and dark. And, and I just really got afraid. You ever get to like that? When you're alone, especially. That's when it's really easy to be afraid. You think, well, there's no one here to help me. If, I, if my car slides off the road, what will I do? I don't, this is before cell phones, by the way. It's like, I can't just pick up my cell phone and like get help. Like, what, how will I? And then the fear just began to just like cascade. Has this ever happened to you before? You just make it worse and worse and worse because you keep thinking about it more and more and more. So I pop in a cassette tape. Cassette tapes are cool, guys. I pop in this cassette tape, and about the second song in is the Stephen Curtis Chapman song called When You Are a Soldier. You get a chance, you can just pop it up on YouTube and hear it for free this week. But the words of this talk about when you are a soldier, I will be your shield. I will go with you into the battlefield. And when the arrows start to fly, take my hand and hold on tight because I will be your shield. And I know how it feels when you are a soldier. And it just goes on and on to talk about this God with us. And I could just feel a peace of Christ coming into the car as I'm driving up. And by the way, I made it safely. It's a good ending. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That sound familiar? Deuteronomy 31. Literally, this is, there's five different negative pieces of linguistics in this verse in the Greek. I'm going to Bible nerd on you for a minute, okay? In five ways, he says, nope, Nope, I'm not going to leave. So literally it's, I will absolutely never, no, never leave you, not, no, never, ever forsake you. Do you think maybe God's trying to make a point? I think he is. His point is that I, I'm crazy about you. Regardless of what your behavior has looked like, regardless of what your past is, regardless of how you view your future and you may be incredibly afraid, I will be with you. How do you picture your future? If you picture yourself in your future all by yourself, you are not reading and living. This is not a biblical mindset because Jesus will always be with you. So as I think about the next 5, 10, 20 years of my life, if I picture that by myself, I will move into fear because I know I can't do it on my own. But with Jesus, me plus Jesus is always a majority. It was John Wesley who was an incredible church leader. He founded the Methodist Church. He's laying on his deathbed. And he's largely unconscious. And he rouses and his eyes open and he sits up and he says, Farewell, farewell. The best of all is God with us. And then he says it again, the best of all is God with us. And he slumps down and he goes into heaven with God. He understood at the very end, this is what really matters. There was a skeptic 
who had this sign in his office. It said, God is nowhere. It was a little girl that happened to be walking by. She stopped. Her eyes got real big. She looked at the sign and she said, look at that sign. It says, God is now here. And this is the revelation I believe that your heart needs this morning. To realize that though sometimes you feel like God is so far away from you, and you might be mistaken thinking that he's so disappointed and so frustrated, but that's not biblical thinking. He loves you. And he is with you. And his presence will kill off fear if you just turn to him. So this week, I did something I haven't done in about 13 years and started scribbling some notes on a page, not with very much faith, but just felt like the Lord was showing me, what is this message all about? What does Jesus say about it? And on Wednesday night, I had a rare moment where there was no one in my house. There was no music playing. There was no screens that were blaring. And the Lord began to give me a song. And so, I'm going to have the band come up. I'm going to play this song for you um, for a couple reasons. One, I believe music helps shape culture. I believe that new songs are what God calls us to do. He calls us to live in the now and receive what God has for us today. Not yesterday's bread, but today's bread. And this is an expression of my heart, but what I want to point to you, and the words will be on the screen, the choruses are what Jesus sings to us about this. The verses introduce us to the concept and ask some questions. And the bridge helps us understand God is with us, He is in us, He is for us, and God is for you. And so, if you want people to take risks, you've got to take risks yourself. So we'll play this song for the second time ever. And that will be really fun. So Jesus, I do pray that the words of this song will break through hearts I'm really thankful, God, for good gifts that you give. So would you come and meet your people? Just need a little guitar. trials as darkness moved right in to cloud your view do you ever stop and wonder if there's a God to rescue you 
And as the prophet told, our God is with us. He will never leave us before he takes us home. Our Jesus is so faithful, we will never be alone. This is the song he sings to those he calls his own. Come to me, I will hold you when you're weary. Come and see, let me show you the view for the one who calms the wind and wakes has come to set you free from the chaos and confusion of your agency. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Surely I will help you give you strength to see you through. I will never leave you. Just watch what I will do. I will stay right here with you. Can you believe our God is really with us? He fights for you. He will never let you go. Do you ever stop and wonder, oh God, where did you go? I want to know. But even in our struggles, God is with us. He will carry you when you're wounded and alone. And Jesus is the warrior king seated on the throne. This is the song he sings to those he calls his own. I am with you. I am for you. Living Come to me, I will hold you when you're weary, come and see, let me show you the view, for the one who calms the wind and waves has come to set you free from the chaos and confusion of your raging seas, so do not be afraid. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Surely I will help you, give you strength to see you through. I will never leave you, just watch what I will do. I will stay right here.
with you. I will stay right here with you. Right here with you. If you'd stand, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Love to pray for you this morning that the prayer teams would come forward. And uh, at some point, we'll record that and uh, put it out for you to be able to hear. But uh, I think it's a great promise because some of you are walking through some really deep valleys right now. And you're not sure what tomorrow's going to look like. And yet, I want to remind you Jesus is with you in your tomorrow. He's faithful. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He will never leave you or forsake you. And if you're willing to embrace his presence, he will bring his power and his provision to do more than you can ever ask and think. And so, Jesus, at this Christmas, as we're so tempted to be so distracted, I pray that this message would be drilled down deep into our soul, that we would begin to turn to you in moments where we're afraid and say, thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. As we walk forward as a church family, I pray that you would help us to love our city really well, that we would be such a a generous people, a gracious people. I do pray for those who are grieving in this season. Would you just be so close and would you hold them as they're weary and and as they're dismayed, just be their God. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you give us. What a great Sunday. Next week, going to be just as great. See you next week. Merry Christmas.